All right then, finally, Barney, to wrap up this mammoth end of season show, we wanted to do a whole part dedicated to listener Q&A, listener questions. So we asked for your questions on Twitter and on our Patreon page for your questions for the end of the season. We're going to try and get through all of these now. Uh, some of them might not be too in-depth. Some people have included quite a few questions, so uh, we'll do our best. Some of the topics might have already been covered, uh, but thank you, everyone, for your questions. We're going to start with the questions from our Patreon page and with our friend Joe McCall, who has a few questions, Barney. So let's get through a few of these. Firstly, do you have an opinion on how the newly promoted teams may fare in the league next season? Obviously, Estrella are playing in the playoff currently, uh, so we don't know how they're going to do. But Morarens and Ferenz are back in the league, two teams that we know well. We haven't followed the Segunda Liga this season, but I know Morarens have had a record-breaking season. I think they've got the most points in a Segunda Liga season. And Ferenz, it's great to see them back back in the Algarve. We have a soft spot for Algarve side, so uh, excited to see both of them back. And I think, you know what? Morarens look strong. They remind me of Rio Ave when they came back up. So I think they, they'll be solid. And Ferenz, you know, they've got that Premier League experience, so no reason why they can't do well as well. I think what's become evident over the, the few seasons we've been doing this show is that um, momentum has a lot to do with it and, and, and teams coming up uh, from, from the second division bring that momentum with them into the next season and get good starts, get some points on the board and that seems to fare them well and it's, it's teams who, who remain in this league who might have more players pinched and, and poached and managers taken and, and, and have to completely restart who, who seems to struggle to get any sort of form going and you know look at Passos and Marisa at the beginning of this season like how how hard it was for them to get any points at all and that seems to yeah seems to be the problem so it seems to be a pattern for me that promote teams will, will do will do all right and uh, I'm really excited to see both uh, Marens and uh, friends back up back in the top division see what they can do me too uh, second question from Joe uh, you're like this one Barney with rumours swirling of Sergio Constance out in Napoli do you have an opinion on the style of coach you'd like to see as prospective new Porto manager. I'm torn on this one, Barney, because one part of me wants to say, pick up the best young manager in Portugal and give them a chance at a big club. But then I look at what Benfica have done with getting in a foreign manager and being so successful. And I think I would have to say at this point, as much as I would love to say, uh, you know, getting the, the next big thing for Portugal, I think I'd probably want to go with more with someone ready out of the box to go with a bit of experience. Yeah, I think Porto are in a really interesting situation this summer if if, if Contrasal goes and I think their squad is a, a really critical point where there needs to be quite a lot of um, changes made and, and, and investment. And, and and so, yeah, I think a, a, certainly a, a, a fresh face uh, needs to, would, would be good. And um, yeah, I, 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 there's some good young talent in there. That certainly needs to be to be honed, and uh, but I do think that a lot needs to be done. So it it could be a really crucial uh, decision in in the summer if they need to replace Contessao, who are they getting? Uh, and lastly, from Joe Barney, it's an interesting one. What do you think Benfica needs player wise or stylistically to be able to push on even more in Europe? Easy one for me to answer because I think they've got a good core group of players, and I think they've got a starting eleven that can compete up to you know quarter semi final level of of a big European tournament. Um, but for me, it would be depth. I think they just need one or two more players. You know, they brought in the likes of Julian Draxler. It didn't quite work. You know, um, Gonzalo Gedge didn't quite work, didn't quite make the impact. So if you can get that right with those 
uh, with those rotation players, with the squad players, I think that will be what makes a big difference. Yeah, Schmidt says um, even in the uh, after winning the title that he, he still feels they need to replace Enzo Fernandez. So despite Joel Neves' performances, I think they'll be looking in that midfield position to to strengthen in. And, and I would say perhaps another wide player. You know, I think um, Alisson and Jamal have done really well, but I think Schmidt wants a a more a, a different type of player to to play that role. Um, but yeah, I I think they they'd have the the groundwork for really be able to maybe push that bit further because I I think they they should have done better this season in Europe. So I think hopefully certainly next season they'll be hoping to to, to improve them this season. Thank you very much for those questions, Joe. And next from our Patreon, Kevin Fernandez. This was a bit of a joke, but I actually think there's a a question to be have here. They said opinions on the new Vizela manager. And I think it was a bit of a joke because they've basically, and you have to feel me, I can't remember his name. They've got someone in from Spain who is, you know, they've obviously gone for a bit of an unknown manager. I just wonder, Barney, your thoughts quickly. We've seen five managers leave since the end of the season. If I'm right, Armando Evangelista uh, at Armando Evangelista at Aruca. We saw Campelos from from Shavas leave, I think also San, um excuse me. Sejal Poshoto left uh left Passos, Tulipa left Vizela. I think there was another one as well. So, you know, we've seen a huge turnover of managers since the season ends. I think it's been insane, really. Yeah, it has been insane. And um so the Vizela manager is like some young Spanish guy, isn't he? Like very little mm. experience. Um Look, the thing I think I, is interesting with the, with this appointment, perhaps, is um, we we have seen a sort of merrier ground of uh, Portuguese managers over the past few years, um, some working out, some not so. Um, I I saw someone mention that the you know the the fact that Portugal has fallen down the coefficient rankings in Europe, and and sort of pairing that with the, with this appointment, and sort of suggesting that you know look at the quality of manager this league can attract. You know, it, it doesn't seem to be of that higher standard you know um so i'm not sure if there's much in that I, I, perhaps i'm inclined to agree with that statement so uh yeah it's it's an interesting one um but you know we've also seen younger managers come here and succeed and and, and, and move on to things so uh yeah it's uh it's an interesting one uh we'll have to see what happens thank you kevin for the question and dita our good friend dita on our patreon page uh, asked us a few questions. Firstly, Barney, we canned this uh, category in the awards. So he's asked us handily, uh, what team or player do you think is the biggest disappointment of the season and why? For me, very easy one. Team would definitely be Santa Clara. Obviously, I predicted them to finish in Europe and they didn't quite do so, <laughs> to put it mildly. But if you want to throw something else in there, Barney, I would just put in uh, Estoril manager Verissimo and perhaps Estoril in general because... I think there was a suggestion that he would have come from Benfica with this exciting group of young players and done something special, and they also uh, flopped. So I think, for me, obviously Santa Clara, but also maybe second place, uh, Verissimo and Estoril. Yeah, I'll agree. With, I'll, I, I, I really, I'm inclined to agree with Estoril now, but I think that's a great shout. I think um, yeah, I had such high hopes for them, especially what they can, uh, did last season. Yeah, maybe Moreno at... Um... Uh, Mauricio for me, the the young Spanish striker, I think on loan from Man City, I thought he could have really done something. I was quite excited to see what he had to offer. He showed glimpses, but he never really got going, did he? And uh, yeah, maybe that, that that's a little individual that I had real high hopes for. Uh, next from Dieter Barney, best breakout player and why? I think we've already slightly answered this because I can't look further than Antonio Silva, the way he broke through this season for me. 
would definitely be uh, making him the best breakout player. Yeah, I may be throwing Thiago Guevara and uh, Thiago Santos at Estrel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they both had really good seasons individually. Um, Guevara for for his outrageous skills and moments and dribbling <laughs> ability, it sort of really did uh, catch my eye a few times. So yeah, I'd chuck them in the mix as well. And lastly, from Dita, will a Portuguese team make it to a European final again? And who will it be? Well, if we're talking Champions League, I think Benfica genuinely had a chance this season, although it wasn't as big a chance as some people made out. I think a few people falsely kind of assumed that they would get past uh, Napoli and Inter and those kind of teams. If a Portuguese team is going to make it to a final, it will be in a lower competition. So either Benfica or Porto get into the Europa League final. And do you know what? I I mean, they're going to hate me for saying this. If Sporting somehow found themselves in the Conference League or or or, but, or even Porto found themselves in the Conference League, I think that's an interesting route for a team to get to a European final, although obviously it depends on your opinion on whether the Conference League is a, a notable enough competition to kind of be considered even part of this question. Oh, I mean, it should be, man. I, yeah. uh, like, that's exactly the sort of competition that's that's made for this league. And yeah, um, you know, I'm, I look forward to seeing Aruka in the Conference League final. <laughs> very good all right thank you Dita, for your questions uh next from the patreon glenn gomez what do you think teams need to do to draw larger crowds for all their games and not just when they face the big three now the first thing i'll say is that this is a huge question which we don't quite have time to uh answer in full in this episode but i think you know people throw around uh, things like ticket prices and, and culturally there are just not that many fans of these smaller teams but I think whenever you see these smaller teams do these initiatives like cheap prices or offering free travel to away games I know it's it's difficult but my attitude would maybe be look if you're getting so little income from ticket revenue anyway why don't you just you know, almost sack it off and just say, well, look, here's cheap tickets. Let's get the kids down from the local schools. Let's offer, you know, older people cheaper tickets and just try and pack out the stadium with people, even if it means halving the ticket prices and getting double the attendance. You're not losing any money by doing that. And you might make a bit more money on food and, and stuff sold in the club shop. So although I, just to be clear, I think the smaller attendances for these smaller clubs is not a failing of these clubs. I think it's deeper rooted in things like, society and the culture of Portuguese football but that said I think yeah maybe these smaller teams could do do more kind of stuff to get the community involved and encourage young people and, and all different people to get into the stadium I don't know how much of a pattern there actually is but you know just from watching the games on TV and seeing like stadiums at like Brazil and Aruca's ground where they do seem to have a slightly better attendance than some of the other teams and seeing their success this season, you know, maybe there's parallels to be drawn there. But I think you spoke really well there, but I haven't got much more to add on that one. Thank you, Glenn, for that question. And next from Patreon, Matt Milbanks. Two questions from Matt. Uh, I suppose these are quite similar, so we can tackle them in one. What do you guys think the clubs outside the Big Four have to do in order to close the gap? Uh, And which team is best positioned to potentially make a challenge on the top four? In the next season or two, again, unfortunately, similar to Glenn, I think this is a you know a whole podcast in itself answering this question. And and if we had the 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 golden answer to this, we'd probably be quite well paid in in Portuguese football industry. Um, I think it's it's so difficult. I think the, the the gap in resources is so is so huge that there's no easy fix. And fundamentally, the thing that has to change 
if more clubs are going to challenge the big four, is a, a, a more fair distribution of 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 wealth within within the league, so that smaller teams have 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 more money. And you know, maybe if the league is serious about making this more competitive, I mean, this would never happen. But maybe you would have to consider something like. Uh, skimming off the top of 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 European success and and distributing that out to smaller clubs, um and you know and and a new TV rights deal which distributes wealth better, but obviously I can never see big teams agreeing to have their European earnings given to the likes of Aruka and and Vizella. I think I don't know, but I think consistency. I feel like that so many of the teams outside the big four are just so turbulent. You know, it's huge player manager managerial turnaround just really doesn't help. But just a bit of consistency, <laughs> I think you know would would really make a difference, and where managers are able to really put teams together and and really distill their their vision and the way they want to play. I do you know and the other thing I'll sort of add to this conversation Albert, is that I I wonder if there is an interesting moment here with um I'm sort of getting my prediction for next season and now man but I I I sort of feel like Benfica will dominate and the the other three you know might they might be going through periods of transition and 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 Maybe there's an opportunity for some teams to get close. Obviously, Victoria seems to be the most obvious one to suggest. You know, in terms of their uh, financial finances compared to the rest of the league. But um, yeah, I I think um, and and you know they're, they're with everything the Moreno's done this season, they look like a team who might be, might carry that through to next season. So uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, it. I, but yeah, it's like you said, it could be do a whole podcast on this topic. <laughs> Absolutely, and just lastly, to quickly to answer the second part of that question, a team that is best positioned to make a challenge, I would go for Family Cow because I think that's a team that's really getting their, um, getting their club in order, investing in the youth team. They've done really well with the youth team. They've done really well with signings. I mean, we're seeing Manuel Agate going to PSG for sixty million euros, and the rumor is that you know. Family Cow are getting 12 to 18 million euros of that deal. So I think that's a team that's starting to be really well run uh, and starting to really get them their act together. Um, thank you, Matt. Right, well, let's keep it in the family and move on to Dan Milbanks, also on our Patreon page, who asks, do you think the league as a whole would benefit from a spe- fairer spread of finances, helping to close the disparity in the league and ultimately improving the league overall? I mean... We've just spoken about a similar topic, and I think Dan's almost answered his own question within the question. The answer can only be yes. Um, I'm sure there are people who have asked about the Europa Conference League, but having teams more competitive in that in that competition would boost uh, Portugal's coefficient ranking, and I think it would just make a more entertaining uh, and more competitive league because, let's face it, teams improve when they're challenged by other teams. And I think, you know, when when fans of the big clubs, they might be happy to be sitting in the top three every season. But, you know, they also complain about things like when their their best players leave to go and play in more competitive leagues. I mean, there was a direct quote from Grimaldo when he moved to Germany about saying he wanted to play in a more competitive league. And I think it's hard to understand. But actually, I think if you're a big club, it helps you more to be challenged than it does not to be challenged. So I would, I would 100% agree with that. To offer a counterpoint to that, Albert, and, and forgive me, I can't remember the, the person's name from Benfica, but uh, in recent discussions about the centralised TV rights, um, one of the comments that this um, particular person from Benfica said after after these discussions was, um, you know, as if yeah. saying that Benfica make X amount of millions currently, and, and if they were only going to make 
I think roughly half of that with the centralized TV rights, you know, how that might affect them personally in Europe. And then suddenly if you if if your if your big clubs aren't competing in the Champions League, you know, that might not actually solve the coefficient problem because uh, you know, suddenly you're you're losing a lot more coefficient points and you might actually be earning with one or two more teams in, in those other competitions. But no, I think I'm inclined to agree personally. I, I think uh, yeah, making the t- the league more co- competitive surely is, is the best thing. Um, lastly from our Patreon questions and thank you Dan for that by the way lastly from our uh, Patreon questions and it's, I haven't planned this but it's actually in the perfect order from Pete Demekin how do Portugal get their UEFA coefficient ranking up in the future I mean I think we answered it it's about investing in the smaller teams making those smaller teams more competitive in the smaller competitions because we, if we have teams getting through the group stages of the Conference League if we have teams getting through the group stages of the Europa League and teams getting through the group stages of the Champions League, I think that's where it's at, really. Because it, we've, got, we've got to remember it's, uh, you get the same amount of coefficient points for getting to the semi-final of the Europa Conference League as you do to the semi-final of the Champions League. So, yeah, that's why um, the Dutch have done so well recently. Absolutely screwed us over, Holland. Uh, but there you go. Thank you for the question, Pete. And let's move on to the Twitter questions. Uh, and talk to our resident of Fran, Fernando, who original question was about why is Gerard Basso the greatest defender in the history of football? Uh, a bit of fun, but I don't mind it, Barney. Don't mind it. But then he went for a more serious question. And this is a really interesting question. What do you think of the fact that the champions of Germany had less points than Portuguese League's fourth placed team? Now, what Fernando is essentially getting at here is about the competitive nature of those leagues whereby the team that wins the championship in Germany is winning fewer games and getting fewer points than the team that finishes fourth uh, in Portugal playing the same amount of games. It's a question about competitivity again, Barney, but it just goes to highlight, you know, if we're going to compete against teams, leagues like France and Germany, we're going to need a more competitive league. And, you know, someone earlier asked the question, does the league being more competitive benefit everyone? Well, Look at Germany. That's a perfect example of how the league being more competitive can benefit everyone. And they've obviously got the sort of the free league system, uh, you know, a much bigger uh, football period. But uh, Portugal seems to be addressing. Obviously, they've introduced a league of free now as well. Um, so there's, there's changes starting to happen, but ultimately, you know, it's it's uh, <laughs> a lot more money needs to go into it and uh, to attract better players and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. Um, all, all seems to be similarly themed these questions Albert you know <laughs> it's funny because it, it just shows doesn't it Barney that these are the topics that people care about you know yeah. they care about how competitive this league is they care about the coefficient rankings they care about uh, you know the stability of the league and, and you know just shows that perhaps the league's not dealing with it too well uh, and also I'd go further to say that it's, it's, it's it, uh, no disrespect to him, but it's 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 quite blindingly obvious all the issues this league has and, <laughs> exactly. and, 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 and yeah, nothing seems to be uh, happening but yeah <laughs> All right, let's do another question for really good friend of the show, Harshif. Um, He asks, when do you think Santa Clara will be back? Where do they go from this disastrous drop-off? The last time Santa Clara got relegated, it took them 15 years to come back. Um, I joked to Harshif on Twitter, I said, please don't make me talk about Santa Clara again. But for one last time this season, Brian, let's talk about Santa Clara. When do you think they will be back? Because... You know, on the one hand, some teams that have got relegated and looked pretty dreadful, like Morarens, like Ferenz, have come back up relatively quickly, whereas other teams have, have, have sunk like a stone. So it's hard to predict, but I would like to think that they, they won't do that. They might not come straight back up, but I, 
I really hope this isn't a team that's going to go straight down, you know, to the third division and maybe into obscurity. If I'm honest, mate, I've got no idea. I think how quickly their fortunes changed and, 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 you know, the, the sort of the, the, the staff coming in and out of, I think they had a, their, one of their main scouts uh, or sporting director, sorry, leave to knee at some, at one point. It just seems to have, have shook them so quickly. Um, it, I've, yeah, I've, I've got no idea, man. I, you know, we'll see what squad they've got next season, how many players get to keep, because there were some good, young, talented Brazilians in there, and they seem to be quite consistent in, in, in scouting good Brazilian talent as well as Japanese talent. Whether that will continue into next season, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's a, 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 a it could, anything could happen with Santa Clara, it feels. Absolutely. Um, a couple of questions from Eugene Lavery, and Eugene, these are a little bit similar to ones we've just discussed, so we might not go too in-depth. But thank you for the questions. I think we can answer this one a bit more specifically. So he asks, can Braga challenge for the title next season or will they never make the jump for best of the rest? And will anyone else make the jump to elite level in the near future? Braga seem like the only possibility. Um, so it's a similar question about teams breaking into the top four. About can Braga challenge for the title? Well, perhaps if Benfica weren't quite as strong, I would have said yes. I think you know, if it was between Porto and Braga and last season's Benfica this season, then Braga would have been right amongst it in terms of challenging for that top place. Will they never make the jump from best of the rest? Well, things can change quickly in football. I think it would take something like a foreign investor to come in and start putting fairly big sums of money into the club. I actually don't think that's impossible, although I think it's sad to say that Possibly that's the only way it would really happen, barring a kind of a freak season where three of the big three are, are a bit weaker than normal. Yeah, I've mentioned already, I think that, that perhaps Porter and Sporting could be, have an interesting season next year. And so there might be another opportunity to sort of Braga to maybe go that step further and go for a second. I think the the whole um, foreign investment thing, Albert, is very interesting. You know, we're seeing stories of um, Ted Bowley, the Chelsea owner, looking at Sporting now. Obviously, we've seen Aston Villa go look at Victoria. More and more of this could happen, and, and it's just be what what sort of relationship that that, that means for the, for those clubs. Um, actually, I think Braga have some link with PSG, don't they? So, um, the, the you know, it's just just what. <laughs> so far, I feel like we've talked about these takeovers. We're not actually really seeing the evidence mm. of them. Of any of the the things apart from passive having a dreadful time with the relationship with the city group, but no, I think um, the other element for Braga but is also the Champions League. You know that's a much difficult test than the Europa League. Uh, they'll obviously have to put their best teams out in every single one of those games, and how that may affect the team going back to the league, we'll have to see. Um, but there's a potential opportunity for Braga to do something again next season and push on from the from what they've started. Absolutely. Thank you, Eugene, for those questions. Uh, a couple more, Barney. One from Alex, at Alex Noivo on Twitter. He asked us for an 11 of the best transfers and worst transfers slash disposable season. I don't think we quite have time to do an 11. And we have already discussed sort of biggest disappointment, best transfers. But if you had to pick one best transfer and perhaps one worst transfer, what would it be? I think we already mentioned it might be Stephen Vittoria. And as for a worst one, well, you know, maybe someone like a Julian Draxler who's probably on big wages and and, and didn't really influence the team. But you know, the, it's quite difficult to choose. Yeah, I, I, some, with the best transfer, uh, I, I always just because of recency bias, I always think of the January window. So like, so Bruma, Diamande seem like great transfers. 
Um, Stephen Vittoria, though, I, I, I like that as a shout because he's he's been immense for Chavs all season. Lops, though, it's, it's a, a feel mean pick in this one. Um, Brian Rochelle's report him and then just, I feel <laughs> bad for saying that just because I, but I just felt like he was the man that brought, brought in to get them goals and it just never, you know, they, they already had the goals on Wellington Junior, but they just didn't trust him for whatever reason. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think the two, the two more that you can consider for signing of the season. Well, one, the obvious one that we didn't mention, of course, because he left was Enzo Fernandez. Oh, yeah. Purely from a financial point of view, to bring someone in <laughs> yeah. and, and, and times your money by 10 in six months is fantastic. But the other one I would say would be Siku Nyakate yeah. at Boraga because they signed him on loan with an option to buy. I think that option to buy was around 1.8 million euros. I think they've got a player on their hands worth easily 10 times that. So that's done really, they've done really well. Um, I hope that's all right, Alex. Uh, thank you for your question. And lastly, Bonnie, I've saved my favourite question until last. And it's from a good friend of the show, Jack Hacken, who says, which manager did you like most as a personality this season? <laughs> it's a great question. And you know what? I was thinking about this because I've seen this question before you have. And there's not actually that many managers with, with big personalities this season. I think Sergio Conceição is a huge personality. Of course, we used to have George Jesus, big personality. Um, we used to have uh, Sarpinto in the league. He was a great personality. But do you know what? I don't think there's as obvious a candidate. The one that I'm going to pick is a manager that sadly left us by Alvaro Pacheco uh, at the beginning of the season for for Rizella. I always liked him. I thought he was a, he was a good man. For me, I was going to be Paolo Sergio. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, threatening to rip a fan's eyes out. Uh, oh, a, well, here we go. <laughs> it, it was a nice little altercation that he had at some point. I don't remember that. But also just the balls of the man, you know, playing um some of the, the lineups he's put out this season is a uh, yeah. Uh <laughs> I've got a lot of time for him. Oh uh, yeah, so I'll go Palace Sergio. I think that's a great choice and a great place to wrap up uh the QA and the show. Listen, this has been me and Barney's last regular podcast of the season. Um we won't reveal any more, but we're hoping to still have some stuff to share with you fairly soon. Um, which we hope you'll enjoy. But as for regular episodes of this podcast go, it's the last one in a very long season. Um, so we would like to take the opportunity to say thank you to everyone who listened during the season. It's been a fantastic season for me and Barney personally with the podcast. So um, it's been great to, to to spend another year discussing Portuguese football. Um, and we can't wait to do it all, all over again next season. Yeah, and I'd just say without you guys the listeners listening that this wouldn't happen so yeah thanks for everyone who's who's who stuck with us for the last three seasons and all the new, all the new listeners as well um it's just a, a lovely community to be part of and we we love doing this so yeah thank you i mean you say it wouldn't happen without the listeners barney the one thing i will say is that me spending two hours alone in my bedroom staring at a wall just talking about football to myself was a real possibility at one point so the fact that i can do it with a microphone and a co-host uh makes things uh, <laughs> a lot better but seriously thank you so much to everyone for all your support if you want to support us and i know there are people out there who always say how can we get involved how can we help um the things you can do to support the show uh leaving us a review a written review on apple Podcasts apparently gives the show a big boost and helps other people find it and also i have to say just from a personal level reading some of the reviews that we've had has been uh, really fulfilling so if you've enjoyed the show and you want to let us know that you've enjoyed it, that's a great way of doing so and of course you become 
a long ball football socio. This is a new initiative for us. We were a bit nervous starting it, but we're delighted with how it's going. And we have a great community on there. We have great chats with everyone. Uh, we ran the Predictions League, which is going to be even bigger next season. Uh, and, you know, the money that we raise from that helps us to to keep, keep going by paying for the things that we have to pay for to to release the podcast. But look, that's about all we've got time for from this episode of Football Podcast. As we said, keep an eye out for anything that might be dropping in the next few weeks from us. If you've got any suggestions for stuff you would want to hear during the off-season, because of course we won't be doing weekly podcasts like we used to, but if you've got any suggestions for stuff you want to hear, uh, please feel free to mention it to us. Also, if you missed the show and you just want to send us a message, we're always happy to chat to you guys so you can find us on Twitter anytime at Lombard Football. But it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. I'll see you next time.